Welcome to another episode of Chan with a Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actionable steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you can stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. And I'm your host, Max Chan. And in this episode, we will be discussing a topic that I wish I had more education on when I graduated from university. And that is how to thrive in your career as a young professional. And my guest for this episode to discuss this topic more in depth is Dominic Inwali. Dominic does double duty because during the day he works at Deloitte in their risk and financial advisory practice. And at night, he is the founder of DX Consulting, where he prescribes straightforward career advice to professionals so they can navigate their career successfully. Now, let's get into my discussion with Dominic on how to thrive in your career as a young professional. Hi everyone, so we have a very special guest. Uh, I call him the dominator, Mr. Dominic Mwali. He is a career coach helping young professionals. Is that a good intro for you? Yeah, that'll work, Max. Thanks for having me on, man. It's, it's hilarious that this is kind of our first conversation um looking face to face and everything after all we do is uh interact with each other on linkedin every day so i appreciate you having me on today man yeah absolutely yeah like we chatted like offline before and i was curious how long i've connected with you and it was june of last year and then we just engaged on our content for like the, the next year and then i started my podcast have some few episodes and i said hey maybe I'll, I'll get dominic on and it's kind of funny how we've always dm each other but we've never actually had a face-to-face conversation <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's about time. I know that was funny when I asked you to look up how long we had been connected. That was sweet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, when it comes to networking, which I'm pretty sure you'll touch upon in this episode, is that it's not about getting the ask right away. It's about like building the long-term relationship. So then when the, you do need to go for the ask, it seems natural because you, you've known each other almost as like close friends, right? Yeah, no, I was abs- I was ready to get on this in a heartbeat. You're absolutely right. It sounds good. All right. And yeah, so one of the main things that I wanted to bring you on to discuss was the fact that you help young professionals thrive in their careers. And the guide that you released uh, with your friend David is about having this blueprint for young professionals to succeed in the corporate workforce. And if I was in my early 20s, I would have needed that type of guidance because like, when I was younger, it was go to school get a good education and then get a good job and then build up your career from there. But from what I've learned, doing the necessary stuff, such as get the good education, is just a small part of the battle. It's also about building community, being confident, and then having career clarity to go for what you want. So why don't you give the audience here a bit of a background in terms of what tools you would need for a young professional to thrive in this environment? Got it. Yeah. No, thanks for acknowledging that, Max. And it is a a great tool for people in their early 20s and kind of right around that fresh grad new role area. So Prescribed Motion, the thriving guide for young professionals, David Mendoza and I created it, basically got together and we had always done LinkedIn Lives, webinars, conversations. And we realized that just through talking with so many young professionals, that lack of, you know, it's, it's right in the in the guide notes, it's lack of community, lack of confidence. And then um, I'm forgetting the last one, but basically we saw these things right off the bat. It was, Hey, 
and and I experienced them. I wouldn't, I guess it's on my website now. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, coach, teach, provide experience on something that I haven't experienced. Right. And so I went through all that. I went through that first year of mental health being extremely low in, in the middle of pandemic, wondering where my next move was, if I was going to have a job tomorrow. I noticed other professionals were um, struggling with that. In terms of lack of community, it was the same thing. I'm building here on LinkedIn and it was nice. I got to exchange DMs with you. I got to talk with other couple of professionals, but it was just, hey, I don't have this sense of community. Like I'm sitting at my laptop looking at a couple different screens a day and I'm trying to piece this all together and I have no one to talk to and no one to bounce that off of. So that was kind of a big focus in this guide is, hey, how can we help a young professional create that community at a young age? How can we show an importance on mental health and just encapsulating a well-rounded picture was the goal of this guide. We don't want you to just, we didn't want to build something that was, oh, ace this interview. Oh, you know, ramp up your LinkedIn. Oh, do this. It was, hey, how do I find more moments where I'm like, dang, I'm killing it right now or, or, or I'm crushing it instead of just kind of sitting in your sorrows or a little down on your luck. I want to touch upon the lack of community because I think a lot of recent graduates have this issue. And what I mean by that is you have your network in university, you have your friends you hang out with, but then when you graduate, people tend to go to different areas. So for example, your friend might be an accountant and you might be in marketing. Someone else might be in government as an example. So with that being said, when you start entering the workforce, you don't have that community because you're starting from scratch where you don't really know anybody. So what are some strategies that you could provide to a young professional starting their career where they don't have a professional community? The first one that just kind of popped in my mind was putting yourself out there. And I, I mean, I, did, I even did it yesterday. I met someone offline in downtown Cleveland yesterday and I messaged him on LinkedIn and just trying to build that sense of community. I think he's in marketing or, or whatnot, but I think the biggest thing is really putting yourself out there and being authentic in the process. And I hope this doesn't sound cliche, but that's seriously all it takes sometimes. It's saying, hey, I'm willing to you know, make that first step. Hey, how are you doing? My name's Dominic. Nice to meet you. Hey, can we jump on the, a Zoom call for a little bit? Can we go grab a drink after work? Can we grab a, Can we share a meal at lunch together and just you know, talk about something, learn something from each other? And in that process, you need to be authentic about it. Don't jump into these conversations as a young professional and you know, have this plan of, hey, I'm going to get something from that person. And that's kind of your ultimate goal. Cause it's going to, you're going to see through it. I'm going to see you asking certain questions and wanting specific things. And then maybe that first time, after that first time we talk, you're going to already be, you know, shooting an ask like you touched on earlier in this episode. So first thing is, you know, being authentic and putting yourself out there. And going back to you in terms of building that community, do you remember how big your following was when you first started? Oh, dang. Uh, I don't even know. It was when I first started, it was around a thousand. Cause I, I'm remembering a moment right now where I saw someone at like 2,500 and I was like, God, this is just going to take forever. Like I was just down on my luck. I was going through those things I was talking about in the guide earlier on this episode. And that's kind of where it started. And even before that, I'm sure it was well in the hundreds and stuff like that. And, uh, I guess, I mean, as you're pointing out right now, it took me, you know, willing to be a student for a lot of these coaches and professionals that are already out there and just kind of humbling myself and, and saying, hey, I, I just want to learn from you. So how did you build your community on LinkedIn to the follower account that you have now? Like what, what are some like things that you did to 
like be authentic, build these relationships to really propel you to building that LinkedIn personal brand that you have today? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things was right when COVID hit, I just started in a little, no, it was probably two, three months before. And I had noticed this whole LinkedIn, I posting content and I was, I was starting to get addicted to it and just loving every second of it. And I noticed there were people out there just killing the game, right? Coaches who have been doing it for years, HR. And I just hit them up. I just, I went for gold. I asked for what is now coined as informational interviews, but I was just having a conversation because I was like, how do I do this? How is this my you know, career 10 years down the line? How do I set something up at a young age where I can do this as well? And I got on the phone with a bunch of professionals and well, I reached out to a bunch and a lot said no. A lot said no, a few said yes. And it was awesome just uh, for those ones who said yes to get on there and learn from them. And then, I mean, I was just, uh, I just got a couple connection requests that, you know, Lori Camacho out of Houston, awesome resource. One of the first people that talked to me when I was just trying to learn everything about LinkedIn, HR, and just kind of get some tips and tricks of running your own coaching practice. And she had in a connection, reached out to me and connected with me and added the note that, Hey, Lori just uh, was talking about you in, in my, in her class and was talking about how you were reaching out to people and just getting those informational interviews going. But that's, that's really how I built my network. And I said it before, but I pretty much just humbled myself and was like, I can learn from everyone here. So why try to act deep and act like I know it all. So the next part is confidence and building the community needs the confidence. So they kind of go hand in hand, right? So a lot of young professionals, they're afraid to network, they're afraid to reach out. What are some advice that you can provide in terms of helping them be confident when reaching out to various professionals uh, in their field or people that they want to uh, build a relationship with? Like what are some recommendations to help build that confidence so they have a strong quote unquote value proposition that they can pitch and utilize to build a network? Got it. Um, I just remembered the the third piece, clarity, confidence, and community. I can't believe I forgot that earlier. But in terms of this confidence piece, I think the biggest thing for me was you might not always, and let's start with like for people who don't have that strong, they haven't had a lot of opportunities to provide a lot of value in their career. They just don't have that, hey, I've done this, I've done X, Y, and Z. Maybe you should talk to me. I just reached out to a lot of people. I, it's not that deep. I, I followed them. I engaged with them and I had this attitude in the back of my mind that, hey, when I was applying to jobs or, or reaching out to people, it was, I kept this, it was someone's going to take a chance on me and my talent. Like I would write that on post-it notes or whatever I could do and just stick it somewhere. And then also I just figured like, why, I, I love it. It's one of Russell Westbrook's, my favorite NBA players, like phrase. It's like, why not? Like, why, why not? Why can't I do this? Like, and there's no, I don't need permission from anyone to go out and reach out to someone and just have a conversation or, or keep that mindset. And I, I had had a little bit of confidence before, but it's just something you're going to build upon. And there were times where it got shot down because people were like, no circle back or not right now, kid at the time, basically. So it built over time and it's an ongoing battle. I think if you're going to sit here and say, yeah, I just have the confidence to do everything, you'd be lying because it's 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 definitely a battle that you're going to face day in and day out where it's like, hey, you know, am I worthy to talk to this person or not? And keeping those two thoughts in the back of my head really helped me. Yeah, like like that phrase that Russell Westbrook you just mentioned, like, why not? Why, why not? Like, why can't I just reach out to LeBron and join the Lakers and inform my own big, my new big three, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so I'm very excited for that. <laughs> yeah, what do you think about that trade? Like, uh, do you think that they're gonna win it, or do you think like it's one of those things like there's only one ball, right? So, and Russell Westbrook needs his triple double. So, where where do you see uh, the Lakers uh, next season? I love I love I love where this is headed. If you knew me personally, I'm a huge Russell Westbrook fan. I absolutely loved him headed to work with LeBron in the Lakers, and all I see is a championship, and that's just my confidence side speaking. So we'll see how it goes, but I'm definitely excited to watch. Sounds good. Yeah. And then you discussed earlier about like informational interviews. A lot of people still apply online and it does work, but it's not effective in a way where like it is a numbers game. Like every client I worked with that needed me to write the resume, I told them like, it doesn't matter how good my resume is. You have to apply like a lot for you to get a good amount of responses. While informational interviews are more strategic, you, if you research the right people, you tend to get more traction based off just a few or just a handful of reaching out to a handful of people. So what's your advice in terms of like getting those informational interviews and how to conduct one well so you would be able to get referred by this professional into the dream company that you're trying to get into? Definitely. Those are the goal. And I'll be completely honest. I don't think I've said this on any of the podcasts I've been on yet, but I hate the term informational interviews. I just don't like it. I think it, I don't know where I didn't know about it and maybe that's, I was just being oblivious and, and didn't really, hadn't read about it. But when I was doing these, they were just conversations. I hit, I reached out to people who were in roles that I wanted to be in. And I was like, Hey, the work that you do is really cool. Do you mind if we connect for 30 minutes? And I just learn more about what you do. And I think if you come with that approach as a job seeker, you're going to win more often than not. Because if you come to the approach, like, Sure. I mean, you want to be specific and say, hey, I'm interested in this job, but you can already tell that there's an ask after that conversation almost. So it's like, you know, this isn't turning into be genuine. And and sometimes employees will take that as, you know, companies are especially looking to hire right now. But I think the biggest tip I can give is just reaching out and being honest and upfront about why you're reaching out and wanting to have the mindset that I just want to learn first. I'm just here to learn more about this role and ask the tough questions and see what excites that person to get to work every day. But that's my biggest tip with those informational interviews and reach out to a lot of people. There's so many people that said no to me and there's also so many who said yes. Keep reaching out and you can't really get discouraged by the people who say circle back later or I don't have enough time right now. So people don't like the rejections because like if, if you're in sales, like you're afraid, like the biggest fear I think people have is like the person just hangs up on you or yells at you to like stop calling them. Like, what are some of the rejections that you got from people? Do they say, hey, I don't have time right now or hey, sorry, I'm not interested. Like, are, are they really that bad? Some of them hurt sometimes. I won't lie. So, well, it was just like, I'm not someone who, right, I operated with that. I guess the third thing was just like, I was like, okay, who's next? Or like, what's next? Or what can I do next? And so I didn't really get that much bothered, but sometimes they were just like, not right now, or I guess they were a circle back. I mean, we talked about it, but they, it, it did suck in the moment for sure. It was like, dang, this person really doesn't want to talk to me. And then it was interesting to see people at the same level who would go out of their way to have a conversation with me. You'll get through it though. Networking is a quality game, not a quality game compared to applying online. So you just really need a few people to say yes to you and then build and then have a really good conversation. And then again, as you said, Go in the conversation with the mindset that you want to learn from this person, not to ask for a job. Because if you are authentic and you are a curious person in terms of learning more about the company and what they do, they tend to want to help you out at the end anyway, right? Yeah. And something that came to mind, and 
and I love and I saw pretty quickly was this idea of like compound networking. So basically I would talk to an accounting person person in Austin when I was in college and I was, you know, looking for that next role, looking to break into the big four. And then they would hear, I would talk to them and then, you know, sure they refer me, Hey, go talk to that person or go. And by the time I already got there, or even if they did, you know, refer me to that person, that person had already heard about me. And it was really funny. It was cause like, Oh, someone told me you were coming basically to, you know, have a conversation and talk about it. So I think that's a huge plus as well. The more people you talk to and those quality conversations you have, people in the industry are going to hear about it and it's going to, it's going to definitely work in your favor. All right. And let's go on to the final C, the clarity aspect of your career. So I I think a lot of young professionals have this idea that whatever they choose when they graduate is what they need to stick with for the long term. However, like from my experience, as I'm an older person, uh, that's not necessarily true and people do make multiple pivots. So what what is your take on like career clarity and finding that? I think you need someone to ask you the tough questions. I think, sure, you can sit on a whiteboard and draw and, and, and jot down ideas. Hey, where do I want to go? You need to get with someone that's going to ask. I have, you know, confidants I reach out to and I'm able to just have those serious conversations where it's whether it's, hey, I don't like what I'm doing right now or I do love what I'm doing, but I kind of want to do this. It's going to change. Like my career is going to be so long. Like you work, it's ridiculous. So to think that I will be in in one position forever or doing one thing forever is just ridiculous to me. And I hope, and I think it's with, with my generation and I'm seeing it a lot now is professionals are going where they're valued and they're getting what they deserve or what is out there for the taking really. So it's been really cool to see people are owning their careers. They're stepping up to the plate. I think you should always look in your contracts and see if there's like a vesting interest or something for you to stay a certain time length. But at the end of the day, it's on you. And you can see my post this week on LinkedIn, but it's on you to kind of go out and look for those opportunities to not be complacent and and see what's out there every so often. I know we were talking about that earlier this week. Yeah, like for example, like like people want the promotion, but they don't ask for it, right? Or people want the raise, but they never ask for it. So how would you ask to, because like a lot of growth comes in building relationships, but also about asking for the right thing. So what's some advice in terms of like going for these quote unquote hard asks? Setting expectations is my favorite, clear and upfront. And I just did it this week with a manager. Hey, this is a promotion year for me. I'm looking to do X, Y, and Z. Where else can I step up to the plate? Set it, having that conversation before the work even gets started is huge. And I just got off in a, a project where I did do that. And I got the performance reviews I was looking for because upfront I said, hey, I want the chance to manage someone. Hey, I want the chance to do this. I want the chance to work on this system, this, this part of the project. And then you step up to the plate and you perform, you deliver on that expectation and you can turn around and say, hey, look, I did X, Y, and Z. This is why I'm asking for that. But it does tie into the part before. You have to have a lot of confidence to do that. It's not easy. I think if very rarely are professionals setting expectation meetings, seriously, they're just going by the whims of their mood and going by the job description and requirements and what they're supposed to do on a daily basis. You'll see very few professionals who are taking the time to, I guess, own their career and and put themselves in a place to seriously be deserve that promotion or, or, or get it because they asked. Yeah, like confidence at work, it does translate in your personal life as well, right? Because it's about congruency, where like if you're confident at work, you tend to be confident in your personal life and vice versa. So what are some things that people can build confidence like all around as an individual? Good question. 
I think taking a lot of small steps very quickly. Uh, for me, I was just, and I'll give you an example. I'm just trying to start my coaching practice and have a, a steady flow of clients. For me, it was, oh, I need to land these big fishes like right away on these huge coaching packages. I need to be making X amount. And it was like, hey man, that's pretty unrealistic. Like you've started this in the last year and you, you've started taking it seriously within the last five months and you're expecting me to landing like huge packages and doing this. And for me, I just started small and just started reaching out to job seekers and having conversations with them. And then over time, I mean, I've been taken through some sales calls. I've been, you know, pitched to be a part of a program, to be a coachee. And it's unbelievable because those people have it down pat, like the whole sales process. They know the right questions to ask you. They know how to role play in those things. And you're like blown away and you're sitting there, even as a coach, this will happen to you. You're almost dumbfounded. You're like, dang, like they definitely know what they're doing or something like that. Someone who's so good at the sales process. And so I guess that's an example for me is that when you run your own practice business, you need to be good at all aspects. And being good at sales was, sure, I can talk to people. I can talk to a brick wall. I got it from my mom. I've always been a personable human being, but selling yourself is completely different. You need to be able to go to the, get to the plate, get on a phone with job seekers and, and like ask the right questions. And so that's what it was for me. I just started small. I just started having conversations with job seekers and I wasn't even trying to sell them something. I was just trying to figure out their problems and be comfortable having a conversation with them. I think too often we as professionals try to bite off, you know, try to boil the ocean for lack of a better phrase. And, and so starting small is a, a really good place to be. Yeah. And tell what you're saying. A job interview is in a way a sales interview because you have to sell your skills and the valuable traits that you can bring to the table in order to help them achieve their business objectives, right? Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's, I mean, you're hitting that on the head. It, an interview is definitely being able to sell yourself. I think it's a little interesting and make it a little harder when you start talking prices and everything. That was always a super uncomfortable place for me, but I've since gotten over that home. Yeah, like a lot of coaches that are not salespeople, they tend to be uncomfortable with mentioning price, but you got to get paid what you're worth, right? It's the same for like salary negotiations during the job offer process that like you want to get paid what you're worth, right? Yeah, no, I learned that the hard way. And I, I, I've been through some times where I didn't step up for myself. I didn't have that confidence or, you know, I was selling hour of coaching service for $30 when I first started it. I mean, to think of that is is almost ridiculous. And hey, I, I've changed, I've grown, so... Yep. I used to give you a lot of a shit with that. I was like, man, like your, your prices are so cheap on your website. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely um, was a student then. And it's been, it's almost, it's cool to see it. I look back and sure, I cringe for a second, but I also smile and just kind of enjoy it because it's awesome. I just signed a, a, a client tonight and to, to be at the price point I am now and, and where I was, it's just, it's it's awesome and it's fun and it makes everything I do worth it. Yeah, like for me, I think I was willing to like write a resume for like 50 bucks. Obviously, like I've, I've grown my brand and everything. So like 50 bucks for a resume is like ludicrous to me now. But it, again, it, it's baby steps. It's about like building up your brand, getting good at what you do and just being good at selling your value that you can provide to clients, right? Exactly. And let's rewind a bit in terms of like the raise and promotions. How does a young professional who started their first corporate job be successful in it? I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but I think we get a young professional and I was guilty of this, but we get caught up in, oh, I need a promotion this year. 
oh, I need to hit X amount in dollars for salary. Oh, I need to have I need to have this accolade, this, that, this. And we get worried about all these extracurriculars happening in our current role. And we don't show up and do good work. I think that's one of the biggest things that I see a lot of the times is that there's such a focus on, oh, I need to have this conversation with this person, this partner. I need to figure this out. And very rarely will you just, hey, I'm killing my job. And you won't celebrate that. And so I think putting a focus on that is going to help you a lot more because go hard at your role for six months and then look back and quantify all the value you've provided to your team, project, firm, whatever it may be, and then go present that. It's going to make that conversation a lot easier and you're going to eliminate a lot of the time you would have spent stressing out about having those small conversations or just stress in your head or, or spending time thinking about it in general. Yeah, again, I think people focus too much on the relationships first. I think it should be like once you start a new job, you should put in 110%. Really, again, uh, get success stories, uh, build up those uh, quantifiable metrics, so to speak, to show the value that you provide. And then once you establish yourself that way, then you can start thinking about like building relationships with like managers or higher ups to get your face known and hopefully get that promotion in the future, right? Exactly. So you don't stop learning once you graduate university. You don't stop reading books if you want to progress in your career. So how does one continue to remain marketable while they're still working their job? Like what, what other skills should they develop when they're still working? Obviously, professional certifications are out there. That's an easy one that not an easy one. People go for it right away, whether it's your CPA. In my field, there's a lot of tech ones and just whatever field you're in. There's obviously there's usually a certification that you can go out and get. And that's huge. I think what's really helped me is that I realized like look around your team and you're going to notice that you probably work with some really talented professionals. Like I work with some people who just know SAP night and day. Like they just know everything about it. They can operate an ERP system like no other. And it'd be wrong of you not to grab some knowledge for them or just spend some time asking some questions or, or jump on a Zoom call and you will be busy and it will seem like, hey, I'm pulling this person away so they can help you teach. But oftentimes, one, people love thinking you look highly of them, like you know they're smart and they're talented and they love talking about themselves and what they've learned and and their expertise. And then two, you're going to make the whole whole team better. So I think taking time to look internally for learning opportunities, that's huge. And then also, I see a lot of job seekers and clients you know, spending time on LinkedIn learning that's not a, a great way for me to learn personally, but I know they have awesome Excel, SQL. Co one of my best friends uh, went through like a coding boot camp. So, I mean, there's obviously there's so many different ways to learn, but I think something that you don't hear a lot is to look internally, look at some of your team members who are really killing the game and just ask them some questions and, and, and note it down. I have a huge OneNote on my computer that's just like commandments I've learned and, and just stuff I've learned that have really helped me. And going back to your guide, one of the things that stood out to me in terms of why to not buy your guide is that if you're looking for, like, if you're looking to become an overnight success, this guy's not for you. And I think with the Instagram age, people want things now and people want things fast. It does take time to build out that path for success, right? So what type of advice can you give to young professionals who feel frustrated that they're not getting the progress they want, even though they've only been, for example, working at that company for like a year? I mean, there's not much more to tell you than like, I, I sit there and I want to shake those people. And I want to say it sounds cliche and, and something, but I trust the process sounds cliche. We see it everywhere. And it's like, okay, cool. Say it again for me. And, 
But something that really hits home with me and I don't think is that cliche is just playing the long game. I think, and it's, I love posting short posts on LinkedIn now. And it was one of my favorite ones a couple weeks ago on like a Sunday or a weekend or something. I get on LinkedIn every morning. I attend discovery calls. I build my website and I'm thinking about DX consulting 10 years from now. If I think about it tomorrow and I look at you, I look at other, I look at other coaches, then it's like, I'm killing myself in the process. So put yourself in a place where it's me versus me. That's something I I wake up and write on that whiteboard every single day, because if you continue to compare yourself and, and want those quick wins and and look at all those Instagram followers, TikTok, whatever it may be for other people, you're just going to destroy yourself. And you'd be amazed what showing up for a year straight can do for you. It's, it's really cool. You get to go on sweet podcasts like this. You get to go out to lunches with clients. You get to do fun things and you just got to really enjoy that. Yeah. Like again, like the main competition should be you, right? Cause like, for example, if I compare myself to like a career coach with like 850,000 followers, like I'll be like, yeah. Oh man, like there's no way I'm gonna catch up to this. Uh, I'll just give up right now. Right. Yeah. You'd be stuck in the mud and it wouldn't. And it's, it's tough because there's so many people who are out at your level doing it. So get started with them and, and jive with them. I have, there's a bunch of creators on my LinkedIn favorites bar that I need to go visit, that I want to go visit every morning and support their journey as well. And so get with those people and it will make it a lot easier. I think one of the things and I talk about in the guide is getting with a community. I mean, that makes it so much easier. And I was talking about it at the start of this episode, like being so alone and just me and my screens all day. And then I'd log on to whatever Instagram later and see all these followers or see someone else building or, or someone else landing these crazy coaching clients. It's just, it will kill you. Yeah, I agree with that. Like when I started my career coaching journey, there wasn't really anybody that I could talk to in quote unquote real life to like bounce ideas off of, but like connecting with you, Dominic, uh, connecting with like, for example, like Shelly, Austin, I, I can yeah. name a few more, but like just having that network of career coaches or resume writers to like just talk shop really helps you to continue the process, right? Yeah, I learn from them. I just soak it all in when I'm around some of those people. Great. And let's move on to the next part of the discussion in terms of the mental health side of things. The pandemic has really driven a big uh, obstacle uh, in terms of mental health for a lot of young professionals. Like they don't they're not used to being stuck in lockdown or not be able to visit their friends without being worried about getting uh, the virus, so to speak. So as things are getting back to normal, how should one balance like mental health in terms of doing great work, but not over exhausting yourself where you lead to burnout. Uh, but, and again, also like enjoying stuff like hobbies and like hang out with friends. There are professionals who work in this type of career, but for most professionals that I run into, they're not, saving we're not saving lives at the end of the day if you're in marketing if you're in like i don't go to work and i don't save lives every single day i think that's something that you know it's it's a tough stance because there are people who do that out every day and you know bless them and and all the well wishes to them but i personally don't so to when you i received my laptop in a box and it, it was right it's a cardboard box and there were hours on end spent at my laptop and just you know, late nights and stuff like that. And once you start to realize that it's stop making things so deep, stop overthinking everything and making every task you have so deep and convoluted and, and 
uh, one of my friends looked at me right when we, right when the pandemic started and we were both working in big four and he was like, dude, why are you always saying you're busy? Like, you're not that busy. Like, stop it. Like, you know, and stuff like that. So realize that you're not that busy. There's more to your life than your professional career. I think that's something that's helped me, whether it's going on walks, doing some yoga, just taking time to get away from your screen is huge. And I'm someone who's definitely struggled. I sat in a basement and worked ridiculously hard trying to do way too many things and being and setting unrealistic expectations on myself like all the time. And it, and it crushed me. I burn out the hardest I've ever burned out this past February. And so I think if you, and if you don't take times and you'll see it coming and you'll, you'll have those moments where you're on the brink of exhaustion and, and you don't take care of yourself and you look back and it's like, well, it's obvious. So I think, I mean, you, you can look up all the wellness tips you want and, and, and do everything you want, but you just need to come to a conclusion and, and realize that, your professional career isn't everything about you. And even I, t- I try to tell myself that all the time because it helps me go enjoy my evenings. It helps me, you know, go play basketball, go for a run, go do something, go to, um, you know, whatever it may be, but get outside of uh, just looking at a screen all day. Yeah, I get what you're saying because again, the movie Fight Club said it clearly, you're not your job, right? Like you should be more than your job. I think the biggest issue we have in terms of North American work culture is like when I say, who is Dominic and Wally? And if you say, oh, I'm a career coach or I'm an analyst at Deloitte, but what is past that, right? I think a lot of young professionals are too tied to their work identity and it's it's not healthier. I was so mad at myself yesterday. I went to, uh, I found a confession. I love yoga. Like I love hot yoga. Definitely the greatest stress reliever ever for me. And I found a studio in Cleveland last night and I met this cool guy. Seemed like a great guy we were talking before. And my like third question to him was like, what do you do? And I was like, dude, that's such like a cliche question. Like, what are you even doing? Like, who cares what he does? He's a really cool guy and and whatever. Who Like, you're both at the same yoga class. Like, enjoy those moments. And I think you're exactly right. We are really stuck in this hustle culture. And to be honest, I guess I didn't really know it. I, I know things were slow outside of America or a little bit slower. But I was just talking to a professor who's in Columbia right now. And he's like, man, it's just so awesome being here. Like, it's just a lot slower paced. Like, there's no hustle, hustle, hustle that a lot of us are on. So just trying to keep that mindset. Yeah, like like Toronto, New York, Los Angeles, like those big hubs is always go, go, go. But if you go to like up north or a smaller community, it it tends to be more of a relaxed pace. So I think like you are where your environment is, right? That's another great point, getting around people who are maybe moving a little bit slower and, and what, yeah, you're definitely volumes of your environment. And in terms of... The progression of someone's career as a young professional. So they, they've landed their first job. They've worked there a couple of years. What is your advice on whether to try to move up internally or looking for another opportunity? So what's, what's the evaluation that one should make when they are making a big decision such as that? Someone said this to me recently, and it really struck a chord. Look at what your manager, senior manager, couple levels above do on a daily basis and ask yourself if you like what they're doing. If that's, if that's something you could see yourself doing. And that I really like that piece of advice in terms of looking internally or externally. I think that that can really answer your question. I mean, it's pretty simple. Yes or no. Do you like what they're doing or do you not like what they're doing? Also, you need to see if there's a point where you can pivot internally. I think if you're if there's a bunch of different departments, they collaborate a lot. Is there at Deloitte? It's unreal. I mean, there's 200,000 professionals. I can pivot I can go do something else, right? It's 
pretty easy at Deloitte to look internally. And I think you just need to judge that based on your company. Hey, are there opportunities to grow? Can I jump on a different project? And again, how we talked about it being small, if you're interested in, you know, growing internally or seeing something outside, one of the best ways to see if you like that type of work is to ask around. Can you jump on a different project? Can you, and start small, like, can I just do a week of work? Can I just do a couple hours of a week, whatever it is for you, or that will fit with your company, check it out. But honestly, that first piece of advice really struck with me in terms of like, hey, am I going to stay with this company or is it time to look elsewhere? So you work at Deloitte as, uh, as an analyst. You also have your career coaching side business. So how did that all come about? Did you start Deloitte and then you were helping people and then you ended up saying, hey, maybe I could do some career coaching on the side or was it the other way around where you did career coaching, then you landed the job? So like, how, how did that all play out for you? Yeah. So it's crazy because I was going through some of my, I mean, we use old content sometimes to, you know, refresh some ideas. And I, I used to post like a, three times a week in college, like a while ago, like so long ago. And that's when it all, this all took off for college during college for me, but I, I did not take it seriously until about five, six months ago or something like that. It's just, so it basically in college, what had happened was I had landed all these cool internship opportunities in several different industries. And they had put me behind the scenes in HR. They had given me opportunities to interview phone screen, like see the whole recruiting process and just see how different industries work, whether it was Austin tech startups, Pittsburgh industrial companies. Like it was just great knowledge for someone so young. And then People started, you know, they saw it. They saw it on LinkedIn when LinkedIn was just the time to go and post, hey, I just got this job. Look at me now. But they saw this and they started to reach out. Hey, you know, how, what, what do I say at this interview question? What do I do during this? And I noticed that students love to talk to me, message me, FaceTime me rather than go to the career and development office. I was someone who loved it, but other students just absolutely hated that. They hated the idea of going to someone and getting asked the hard questions and facing the hard truths. And so I was there. And just kind of started building that. So it was really all about internships and I hosted resume workshops. But when DX Consulting started, it was all internships. And then I had always always had the goal to land a role in the big four. That was my probably my dream since sophomore year. And so it was crazy that it kind of was here so soon after college. But uh, now it's now DX Consulting is, you know, I've gotten around coaches who do this full time and I've learned and it's something that I want to do at some point. So it's really cool to start taking it a little bit more seriously. And and I posted about it a little bit ago, but I hosted a resume workshop and it was, I thought it was going to be all 20 year olds. I thought it was going to be all young professionals. And I kid you not, like 12, 40 to 60 year olds showed up. Like I was blown away. I was like, what the hell am I going to tell you? Like, why would they believe in me? And I, I mean, I just went to work and everything, but it's been awesome because my last five clients have not been in their 20s. I think a couple have been in their 30s, but it's been awesome to work with established professionals and just kind of be in that range compared to where I was a while ago. So that's kind of how it all evolved. And now I'm in headed into year two at Deloitte. And what does the X stand for? I never asked you this. Like, what does the X and DX like? How does yeah, so basically out? it was like, like, do you ever think of um this is funny? Well, D was for Dominic, and then like RX, like when you get a prescription. So like when you go to get a prescription at the doctor's office, it usually says like RX. It usually says that. So I just swapped out the D and put DX and it was like, hey, I'm prescribing you professional development advice. And so that was kind of the play I had on it. And 
I don't know why, but I think at the time I wanted consulting in the name. So thus DX consulting. That makes a lot more sense though, because you have the, the hash, your custom hashtag prescribed. I don't know the full one, but it has prescribed in it, right? So yeah, prescribed by DX. So, if rather than, started, oh, so you're, you're doing the uh, prescription, like prescription for like improving yourself as a young individual. So that's what you, that's your positioning statement. Yep. Yeah. And so RX is the right one, but yeah, that's basically kind of, yeah, prescribed by DX. That's in my thing, prescribed straightforward career advice. So that is what I'm doing. And that's kind of how it all started. For professionals that want to start a side hustle, one of the big issues that they might face is what would their full-time job or company or manager think of them starting a side hustle? So what was your journey in ensuring that it doesn't ruffle any feathers uh, with your side hustle? Because I'm, I'm assuming, like, since you're on LinkedIn so much, I'm assuming your manager or whoever on Deloitte has seen you like with co- uh, providing coaching advice online, right? I'm not, honestly, Max, I don't know if they, I know, I think I talked to a manager who had left Deloitte and he, he was like, whoa, when Dominic scheduled a call with me, he was telling me on the call, he's like, oh, when Dominic scheduled a call with me, I knew he wanted to like network and connect a little bit more because I see him on LinkedIn, but I'm not too sure. I'll tell you what, I don't go out of my way to throw what I do in a lot of my team members face. I would say not a lot of them know that I have a side hustle like that. It's not something, if you see me on the street and I think I'm going to start getting, I've been thinking about this lately. I want to get better at just being like, Hey, like comfortable with saying I'm a coach, but I'm not someone who you wouldn't know that I do this unless you looked at my whiteboard or, or whatever, like you just wouldn't know. And so basically I guess for Deloitte, I have to, it's scary as hell. I, I'm not going to like sugarcoat it or anything. It's definitely scary to start your own thing. And then Hey, what are peers going to think? Cause I've worked with some HR leaders. I've worked with some experts who definitely like, don't think I'm credible or don't think. And one of the thoughts I keep on the back of my head again is like, you don't need to get, perm- I don't need permission from them to tell who I can share my expertise with and what I've been through. Like it's go look at my recommendations. Like it's worked with people. I've worked with people and it's worked. So, you know, blocking that out, like you seriously do need to block out a lot of those thoughts and a lot of that stuff. But we were talking about early in this call, just being upfront when you have those conversations or with the whole process, like I have to go through an annual independence screening with Deloitte because it's an accounting firm, a public accounting firm. So like, I can't refer clients into Deloitte. I can't like, they can't mix whatsoever. So I need to like, make sure I'm doing that as I operate year in and year out. And then also go through an annual inspection, just, but just be upfront with your team, ask them what they expect. Do you need to submit any actual documents or anything like that? Because it's better to be upfront with it than go down the line and then be like, whoa. That makes sense. And I want to ask you this final question. So as a young professional yourself, the main point of my podcast is to help people overcome roadblocks by interviewing experts like yourself who can provide strategies to help them overcome these said roadblocks. So what has happened in your career where you faced a career roadblock? What did you do to overcome it? And how did it help you become the person you are today? I'm going to give... Two examples and they revolve around the same point. The point being is you really need to stop caring what people think. I like it. I can't say it more and more enough. And it's just, it like, it shakes me to my core. It gives me chills. Like, I don't care what you think about what I'm doing. This is my career and I'm going to run with it how I want to run with it. So the first example of roadblock I faced was having a small school on my right, like Deloitte big four, they didn't come to my school. They weren't there. It was impossible to get a hold of them just by emailing the office or or whatever I could do. So that was the first roadblock. And I think to that point, like 
and not caring what people thought, I went to all ends of the earth to make it work. I got the Cleveland Recruiter Deloitte email by someone who went to Case Western, which is a good university out of Cleveland, because the recruiter went to his university and he just gave me her email and I cold emailed. And that's what started that. And I think, so I think what helped me like get over that roadblock. And it's also another example besides having a small school on my resume and trying to break into such a top tier firm was starting my own coaching practice. Like if I sat there and really cared what everyone think, like it would, it'd be the end of me. And I know we've harped on this a bunch, but when you get to that spot, when you just get so confident and comfortable and operating in who you are and you trust that, like, whew, like other professionals need to watch out because you're going to be putting some people on watch and it's going to be really fun and exciting for you. And those roadblocks are going to disappear really quickly when you just start trusting yourself a little bit more. Yeah. Can you um, summarize very quickly, if possible, like how'd you get to do it? Because you said you didn't come from a big school, but you were yeah. able to still land that job that you wanted. So walk us through that process. You, you mentioned a little bit, but let's dive a little bit deeper on it. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier, I had all those internship opportunities. And so my resume was pretty much stockpiled. Like I had startups. I just had a, a lot of different experiences. And so I was networking with KPMG, which is another big four firm. And, you know, just reaching out to all these people. And again, just asking questions, learning more about what they do. And then I had interned with a kid who wasn't really, I'll be honest, he just wasn't like very humble about the process. Like he just wasn't like, I'm sitting here hungry as hell, like wanting these emails to get in contact with someone who works at Deloitte. Like I sat and applied to Deloitte for multiple years and all I did was apply and it like, I just got rejected. But basically I grabbed that email. I got that cold email. I sent an email, attached my resume that I had, you know, gone through countless iterations of and asked people in the big four to look at it. And the Cleveland recruiter got back to me. We had lunch and that was kind of it from there, like a couple more interviews. And I had successfully broken in from a very, very small university in Austin. So that's kind of how it went. Patience was everything in that process. In the way, your example of Nikola Jokic, right? He was a second round draft pick, I think 47, and now he's the MVP this year. <laughs> <laughs> You're a big, ba are you a big basketball fan? Uh, yeah, I'm a big basketball fan, hockey, football, baseball, I'm okay. But um, yeah, yeah, I follow like, all the popular sports. Sweet. All right. Yeah. I just want to you know, throw some sports analogy there for you. Yeah, no, we need those. <laughs> yeah. So again, really appreciate you spending some time with me to discuss strategies on how to thrive as a young professional. So how can someone connect with you to learn more about who you are, what you do, and what type of services you can provide to help them? Definitely. Well, as of today or this morning, I was someone who always struggled with a website, but I got something super simple up there. I'm excited, still making tweaks, but you can find me at dxconsults.com, dxconsults.com. And then honestly, my LinkedIn messages, that's where I live. You can find me there, connect with me, add a note, makes everything a lot easier, but website, LinkedIn. And then if you're interested in the guide Max and I were talking about and the one David and I created, Prescribed Motion, you can find that in my featured section as well. And the website's in my featured section as well. And those are some of the best ways to reach me. And it feels crazy that this has gone on for 50 minutes. It feels like just another conversation. So I appreciate you so much having me on, man. This was really fun. Yeah, thanks again for uh, contributing, Dominic. And it's kind of funny how, like, when it comes to perspective, like, people don't like job interviews, but people love podcast interviews. Like, they think they're fun, right? But in a way, it's, it's still an interview. I'm, I'm still interviewing, like, you and, like, what you can provide, right? It's, it's, it's the same thing. It's just a different environment, but it's just funny how that works. It, like, 
a job interview. Oh, I don't want to do this. In the podcast interview, oh, like I'm down. Like, what do you want to be, right? So it, it's kind <laughs> of like are, funny when you put it in perspective. It's, it's technically the same thing. People just have a different notion depending on the context. No, you're good at calling those moments out. And that's why I always uh, love interacting with you on LinkedIn because I was definitely a little nervous looking at some of the questions. I was like, oh, I think I... And then it's like, oh, I could have prepared a little bit more. And it's exactly like a job interview. I wish people were as excited as I was for this. <laughs> again, it's, it's all perspective, like glass half full or glass half empty, right? Okay, again, I appreciate the time and best of luck for the rest of the year. Thanks, Max. Appreciate you. Thank you again to Dominic for spending some time with us to share his insights and advice on how you as a young professional can thrive in your career. As I said at the beginning of the show, one of the things I needed advice on as a recent grad was something such as this. When I graduated from university, I had no strategy on how to build up my career. The only thing that I knew I had to do when it came to finding my first opportunity straight out of the university was applying online. And once I got my first job, that's all I focused on was going to work and working hard to build up my experience. But I didn't consider all the other factors that Dominic brought up that will make you more of a well-rounded individual and build up your net worth over time. I personally believe that universities and colleges don't prepare their students well enough to successfully onboard into the corporate workforce. And that is something that is desperately needed. So appreciate again, Dominic coming on the show and giving recent grads and young professionals a foundation that they can build upon to help set them up for success in their career. Now, if you want my personal insights on this topic, make sure to check out ChanCap. This upcoming Friday is my new weekly segment where I recap and provide insights on key points of this past week's episode. So make sure you subscribe on your podcast player of choice so you don't miss this week's segment. Again, this is Chan with The Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan, and I thank you for listening.